Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion! I need y'all to meet me with the same energy I'm meeting you with. Fusion! Thank you. You are alive. Praise God. Thank the Lord. You are alive. You are breathing. Life is not that bad. Some of y'all faces are like, man, look, I'm excited right now. I don't know if you guys are excited, but I'm excited for a few different reasons. One, last week we started our new series, and let me remind you, series are not just about cool ideas. When I put together a sermon series, it's because God has revealed something to me that takes longer than 45 minutes to talk about, right? And so we talk about it over a series of nights. And last week, we started a series called Kingdom, and over 50 people gave their lives to Jesus last week. Maybe that's not a big deal to you, so you just went, Ooh. 50 people gave their lives to Jesus. I don't know if giving your life to Jesus has made a huge difference for you, but it's made a huge difference for me. And it's the only reason I'm up here talking about Jesus, because I know that he is the most important person you can meet in your entire life, and you can meet him. He's not just an idea. This is not just a myth. This is not just a concept or a philosophy, but Jesus is real. He's a living God. When you speak to him, he will respond. He will move on your behalf. I don't know. Maybe you guys haven't experienced that, but he's alive. And what we talked about last week What we started to talk about last week, because we're just scratching the surface, is that Jesus came and did not announce a new religion. Jesus came to earth, and we saw historical evidence that Jesus came to earth. We saw other people outside of the Bible talking about this emergence of Christianity very soon after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they're trying to figure out, what do we do with these people? How do you persecute them? We, We were reading letters last week of people trying to figure out how to deal with Christians in the first century because this movement had erupted. And so we said, did did this movement come out of Jesus Christ coming and saying, hey, I have a new religion for you? Did it come out of him saying, hey, I have a new book for you, even though you've had books for hundreds of years, thousands of years, writings and all that stuff? No. Jesus Christ did not come and say he's announcing a new religion, a new philosophy, a new way to have a moral compass or a good idea to get you through life. He came and said the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And we see all throughout Scripture that there is this concept of a kingdom. And what we learned last week is that, very simply put, a kingdom is a domain or territory ruled by a, can you guess, king. 
a domain or territory ruled by a king. So anywhere that the king rules is a part of his kingdom. So we see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the God created the heavens and the earth. And when God created these things, they were perfect. Why? Because they were under his domain. They were within his territory where his rule was and where his rule is, is always a good place. We learned that last week because he's perfect. He is a good God. There is no corruption. There is no brokenness where he rules and where he reigns. Why? Because he's king. And he doesn't allow those things. And so he creates the heavens. He creates the earth. And a lot of times we think of heaven as just like, that's where God's from. Like, that's his hometown. Heaven is not God's hometown. God was here before heaven was here. God created the heavens and the earth. And so when we say heaven come down, like we just did in worship, why are we saying that? Because heaven is the only place currently where the will of God is reigning freely. It's the only perfect place. And so you can find the kingdom of God where the will of God is being fully exercised. And so Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because heaven is currently where the full expression of his kingdom is. And all the good things that happen here on earth, it, the Bible says that all good gifts come down from the father of the heavenly lights. All good things that happen on earth are a result of his intervention. That is heaven coming down. He teaches us to pray this way. He doesn't say, pray this way. Our father in heaven, help me. Now he's a good father. He loves you. He'll help you. But Jesus was trying to make us aware of something that we need to be aware of, that all the good that we are seeking takes place when the kingdom of God arrives. What we are yearning for, the brokenness that we feel and the healing that we're looking for is in his kingdom. So Jesus is saying, your top priority should be praying for God's kingdom to come here so that his will will be done here as it is in heaven. Because God created both of these places, but only one remains where he's fully exercising his will. So what does that mean for us? It sounds good, it's interesting, but what does that mean? Well, here's what it means for us. God chooses to exercise his will here through us. So you, you are the vessel through which he wants to exercise his will. So the kingdom arriving here on earth happens through, can you guess who? Say me. Me. The kingdom arriving here on earth, invading here on earth, happens through us. And so we play a very important part in good things coming here to the earth. Why? Because God has chosen 
to allow us to participate in that. He's chosen to do it that way. He doesn't have to, but he's chosen to do it that way. So we can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And man, that's beautiful. But you know what the challenge is for us? You know why we don't just walk around saying, let the kingdom come? Why we don't walk around focused on eternity? Why we don't walk around focused on the things of heaven and the invasion of the kingdom of God? Because we're worried about stuff that's happening here. Simple as that. That's what gets in our way. Worrying about stuff that's happening here. Our lives, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to work, where we're going to go to school. Worrying about these things. So there's no space to even be concerned with the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus is saying this should be our top priority because this is an eternal kingdom and you're living in a temporary world. This world has to invade here and we are all eternal beings having a temporary experience. And so we need to be invested in the long term, but we're so distracted by what's happening here. Jesus addresses this. God, open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you're saying tonight. Lord, as I read your scripture, help it to really take root in our hearts. Lord, help this seed to land on good ground, somewhere that you can grow, somewhere that you can cultivate it. Lord, let this not just be good ideas that we're hearing, but let this change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 12. I put some of the verses together. Jesus said, says, then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. A parable is just a story that's explaining a concept. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his, his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow. Now, that is pretty contrary to what we hear the rest of the world saying. It's contrary to what's going on in our own minds most of the time. And that's why Jesus said it to them, because that's just human nature. All we know is this place, because all we see is this place. And so we're trying to go down this path that we see everybody else going down, and we feel this pressure to go down this path. But notice Jesus said, don't eat. He didn't, he didn't say, don't eat. He did not say, don't wear clothes. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Why? Because your father in heaven, who's the king of everything, knows that you need that stuff already. And so why worry? Jesus is introducing a radical concept. This is not a religion where you're just doing the right stuff, going about life and making it happen for yourself. Jesus is saying, no, don't even worry because God is real and he'll intervene. God is real and he'll provide. God really owns this stuff. Like it's not just theoretical. Your father who is in heaven is the king and owns this stuff. Why would you worry? He says, look at the birds of the air. How do you think they get fed? This is what he's saying. He said that not one of them falls to the ground without God knowing. And yet we worry when we are adopted into his family, citizens of his kingdom, and we worry about being provided for. And sometimes that's spurred by real situations. Some of us have been through some real stuff. Has anybody been through some real stuff? Right, so I know it sounds like, well, you're saying not to worry, but I've seen some real stuff. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, nah, like, really, I know you've seen some real stuff. Just still don't worry. The resources that you need to be concerned about are not the resources that you're familiar with. As I was putting together this message, I was praying asking God, what do you want us to know about living for eternity? That was the heart behind the message. I felt that tug. We talked last week about salvation being us entering the kingdom. And so I wanted to talk this week about what do we do when we get there? Like salvation is you entering the kingdom of God. Now it's heaven coming to earth. It's you entering eternal life. Jesus doesn't say, wait until you die, then go to heaven. He says that when you have the son, you have eternal life. So you can start accessing eternal life. You can start accessing the things of the kingdom now. What does that look like? And so these words started coming to my mind, economy. Pastor Dennis actually preached on it on Sunday. He was talking about how Satan rules over the world's economy, and scripture says it. And yet we have our hearts and our minds tied to these things and tied to these resources when God is saying, 
you can have access to a whole different economy. The definition of an economy is the wealth and resources of a country or region, especially in the terms of the production and consumption of goods and services, or the careful management of available resources. And so what hit me in this time as I'm praying is as citizens of God's kingdom, we must operate in the economy of the kingdom of God. And I'm going somewhere with this. An economy is careful management of available resources. The issue is a lot of us don't know what's available to us. We don't know the resources that are available to us, so we're chasing this temporary stuff. And Jesus is saying, why are you even worried about what you're going to wear? You don't know what you have access to. You're worried about clothes. The flowers of the field look nice. You can too. Don't worry about that. Your father already knows that you need them. He clothes the flowers of the field. He feeds the birds. How much more you as his children who were created in his image, how much more will he provide for you? The resources you are to be concerned about are not the things of this world like Money. Pastor Dennis was talking about how right now in America, our money isn't backed by anything. We are just putting our trust in a number. Like legitimately, what if just tomorrow, imagine, like we do all this work to store up all these funds. What if tomorrow an announcement went out, hey, dollars are not worth anything anymore. Imagine. Imagine. And it's really not that far-fetched of a concept. These things have happened throughout history. This is currency. And we are basing our lives on these things. We're putting the trust of our entire life, where we're going to move, what we're going to do, what we're going to learn, simply on earning paper. That's not backed by anything but somebody's promise. And I'm not saying that money is worthless. We know that money is not worthless at the moment. But what Jesus is saying from an eternal perspective is that's not what you put your trust in. He'll provide for you. And this doesn't mean don't work. It means don't worry. Those are two very different things. This doesn't mean don't provide for your family. This doesn't mean don't get a job. This doesn't mean don't start a business. It means don't don't worry. Why? Because your brain space should be occupied with some things that are much more important. So if we're talking about an economy being careful management of resources, what are the available resources in the kingdom of God? Matthew, the book of Matthew tells this same quote that Jesus said from a different perspective. It's just like if I said something tonight and one person went and quoted it and they quoted it in the way that they remembered it and then somebody else quoted it and they quoted it in the way that they remembered it and it was still the same concept. And so the book of Matthew says that Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. 
as I'm asking, what are the available resources of the kingdom? That immediately popped into my brain. And so I would present to you tonight that righteousness is actually a resource that you have. Righteousness is a resource that you have available to you that hasn't always been available to you, but it is available to you now and it's powerful. What is righteousness? There are two definitions. One is the judicial approval of God. In a judicial concept, context, the approval of God. Second definition is what is deemed right by the Lord. First definition, the judicial approval of God. This refers to we have two different types of righteousness that we have access to. One is just our positional righteousness, where we have the judicial approval of God through what Jesus did, paying for our sins. That can never be undone. The case against us has been cleared. We are not guilty because our sins have been paid for according to what Christ did on the cross. Amen. However, there's a different type of righteousness that some would call behavioral righteousness. So your position is that you are cleared by God, but what do you do? And that's where the second definition comes in, what is deemed right by the Lord. This is our choice to do what is deemed right by God, our daily choices to do what is deemed right by God. Why is that important? Here's what I've been learning. Righteousness, right standing with God, the approval of God produces an intimacy with God. Here's what I mean. When you know you're doing right by somebody, you can call that a healthy relationship, can't you? I can't say my marriage is healthy if I'm not doing right by my wife. But if I know she's taken care of, if I know her needs are met, if I know that I'm doing my part, I'm confident in that relationship. Why? Because there's an intimacy there. When, when two people are do, seeking to serve and seeking to please each other, it creates an intimacy. We can have a connection with God when we're seeking to please him, when we are seeking him. That's why Jesus says, seek first. And that's the title of tonight's message. Seek first. And to seek is to search out. He's saying, seek him first. Seek his kingdom first. Right standing with him, his approval. Seek that first. And all these things will be added to you. Why? It's just like me saying, baby, focus on your boy. And don't worry about anything else. I got you. Somebody tries to run up, they done. You need something, I got you. Simple, though. A father to a child. What does a father expect from a child? Obedience. Why? Because the father has good intent for the child. A good father has good intent for the child. A good father knows what's best for the child. So the instructions are coming out of a place of love. And what are they seeking from the child? Are they seeking just for them to go off and do some life where they're doing some right things? No, they're wanting a connection. A father is seeking obedience from his child. And then what does he do? He provides for that child. He knows what the child needs. You think fathers don't know that their children need clothes? You think fathers don't know that their children need food? They know. And a good father provides those things for his children. And what does he expect in return? Obedience. What does that create? An intimacy. Righteousness, 
leads to intimacy. It produces an intimacy with God. But we cannot be close to God and consistently disobedient at the same time. They don't work out. But let me tell you why that's important. Because if you are consistently disobedient to God, but you have positional righteousness, oh, I'm saved. I don't do anything you ask me to do, but I appreciate the cross. What that does in your own life, in your own life, is somewhere deep down in here, you don't expect much from God because you know you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so it actually lowers your expectation and you're living on a lower level than you could trying to toe the line. But when you're seeking to please God and you know you're doing what is deemed right by him and you know there's an intimacy and a connection there, when I'm seeking God, he speaks. When God is speaking to me, I'm confident. That's the next thing. That intimacy produces confidence. This is why righteousness is a resource to you. Righteousness leads to intimacy. Intimacy leads to confidence. When I'm close with my wife, I'm confident. <laughs> confident in our relationship. When I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm confident that we're at a good place. And if I do need something, I'm confident to ask. But if I've been off, not doing anything she's asked me to do, not showing her attention or affection or love, you think that I'm going to come to her and ask for something with confidence? No, I won't. And neither will you with God. And that's where we get to this place of God, please. Oh, help me. Because we don't have confidence. Because we don't have intimacy. But when God is speaking to you, you're confident. But if you haven't heard from God in a while, and God hasn't heard from you in a while... There's no intimacy there. There's no confidence in your prayers. And so when we're talking about accessing what he has available to you, you can't because you can't even come before him with confidence. And so when there's a riff in your relationship, you don't approach that person confidently. Here's what 1 John says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Very simple. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Very simple. This is the confidence we have. If I ask God, I know he hears me. And if I know he hears me, I know I have what I asked for, according to his will. Why? Because I'm in right standing, seeking to please him. This is how you operate with a king. This is not a religion. God came and announced the arrival of his kingdom, not the religion of Christianity. Jesus never said that. He said the kingdom has come near. 
When you've received healing, the kingdom has come near. When you've become free from a spirit, the kingdom has come near, not the religion. He is a king, and this is how you operate with the king. When you're in right standing with the king, and you know the king has access to everything and rules over everything, and this is a king who has said he wants intimate relationship with you. He wants you to know him, not just hear about him from far away, Not send a messenger to go ask him something, but you can approach the throne of grace. The Bible says we can boldly approach the throne of grace if we're confident, if we have intimacy that's freely available to us, but that starts with us desiring to be in right standing with him, seeking him first, seeking his approval. How do we get his approval? Listen to what he says. How do children get the approval of their parents? Being obedient, good parents. And so when we have confidence, confidence in God leads to faith. Now, this is what this whole thing hinges on. Confidence in God leads to faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So why do we need faith? We need faith because the resources that are available in God's kingdom are unseen. Faith is assurance about what we do not see. So faith gives us the assurance that we have what's not seen. How does this play out in your life? We learned last week that the kingdom, when the kingdom of God arrives, he fixes what is broken. All that is wrong is made right again. We see that through him reversing things like sickness. So here's how this plays out. When you are sick, what you see is sickness. What is unseen is healing, but it's available. You have access to it. You have access to a different resource. The Bible says, by his wounds we are healed. Mark 5.34 says that Jesus said to somebody he had just healed, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. You have accessed this resource that's available to you through being assured and confident of what you do not see, but you know it's there. I don't see God, but I know he's here. I don't see God, but I know he's moving. He said it's like the wind. We've talked about this before. Can you see the wind? Do you believe there's wind? Tornadoes, hurricanes. An unseen thing can be very powerful. Your healing is available in the kingdom of God. Eternal life, you have access to some things that you don't see, but it's here. It's available. I've seen it. And when you understand this concept that you have access to the resources, the economy of a kingdom that you do not see, but you can be assured that it's here, you live a different type of life. You may see poverty, but what is unseen is the prosperity that God has for you when you follow in his ways. Where does it say that? Oh, God says, I know the plans I have for you. He knows the plans the king has for you, 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Psalm 1-1 says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their lives, their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Blessed are those who delight in what the king has to say. Because the king who has access to all good things, all things that they need, is pleased to prosper them and give them what they need. When what we see is cycles in our lives, bondage in our lives, when we feel enslaved to sin, what we see is us doing the same thing over and over and feeling like we can't get free. What is unseen? Freedom. And you have access to it. Jesus says in John 8, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And if you know that Jesus Christ who said that, who says that he is the son of God, who came to earth, who died a criminal's death and then got up out the grave to show that he was God, to show that he is king. If he said that, That means I can really be free if I approach him with confidence and faith. The Bible also says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I think this is the the struggle that we find ourselves in. This is the struggle I've found myself in before. Is praying but not really believing that it's going to happen, just praying because I know I'm supposed to. Has anybody ever been there? Praying without faith? Maybe you haven't. Maybe every time you pray, you believe with all your might that heaven is about to come down and shake this place up. But me personally, that takes some devotion, some dedication, and some riling up to say, you know what? No, I'm going to choose to believe that the God who's done it before is going to do it again. And when I do that, I see him move when I approach him with confidence and with faith because you can get discouraged out here. What if you've prayed for healing and didn't see it happen before? I've been there. I've seen people get healed and I've seen people not get healed. It kind of got me to this place where I was feeling like it's just a toss up. Like I'll pray. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Do you think that's pleasing to God to come before him and say, God, do this maybe. Maybe you can do it. Maybe you want to do it. I don't know. Something happens differently when you pray with faith and with belief. You will see some things shift. So when the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is faith freedom. I believe that. And so I pray like I believe that. So if I'm seeing something that doesn't appear to be free, like sickness, pain, suffering, oh, but God's here. How do I know God's here? Because he said when two or three gather in his name, he's here in the midst. So if God's here, there's freedom here. And if we believe he'll do it, I believe he'll do it. And so you pray differently. 
This will change your life. You will start moving differently because your focus is different. You're focused on resources that other people might not be focused on. When you know what's available to you, that's what you'll be managing. Economy, careful management of available resources, but so many of us are managing the resources that we see and not the available resources that we don't see. But that's what we're looking for. We're looking for peace and we're trying to get it in these temporary physical things, status, success. Maybe if I go down this new career path, been there, done that, doesn't work. The only place that it comes from is the source. The only place that that really takes place is the kingdom and the kingdom has to invade. Healing, freedom, peace, contentment, That's all a part of the culture of the kingdom, but it is not the culture of this world. The culture of this world is discontentment, dissatisfaction. That's why we see the people that we're trying to be like all the time tell us that they're miserable. Legitimately, the people we seek to be like all the time tell us openly in interviews, on social media, I'm miserable. And yet we're like, I want to be like you so bad. (laughs) I'm sorry. But I feel for these people because they're actually searching for something that you have access to. You won't even use it. And then you're trying to get what they have when they're saying they're not happy with what they have. But if we would access the resources that are available to us that everybody is actually wanting, that may put us in a position where God can use us in the way that we want to be used. Because God wants his people and his children to know him. If you are not at the place in your life where it's a priority for you to know God and for God to use you to help other people to know him, you're not living at the level that you could because you're not aware of the kingdom. Jesus is saying, all this stuff is going to burn up. All this is going to be gone. Jesus came and is revolutionizing people's thinking. Don't even worry about what you're going to wear. He said, sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Store up for yourselves a treasure that won't wear out, where nobody can come in and steal it, where nothing destroys it. Why is he saying that? Because he knows it's real. He said no one can really talk about heaven except for the one who came down from heaven. Jesus came down from heaven to tell us about it. Why? Because God's kingdom is going to continue to invade. Because though this place has veered away from him, it's still in his domain, and he will come to claim it. And in doing that, us as his children, as citizens of his eternal kingdom, have an inheritance that is waiting on us and that we have access to right now. To help us understand this, I feel like God gave me this analogy. As we're talking about economies, 
we could talk about the banking system, right? So a bank is a stock of something available for use when required. I'm going to let that marinate for a second. A bank, right? A stock of something available for use when required. Available for use. It's stored up, and it's available for use when required. Here on earth, a lot of us have two different types of bank accounts. If you don't have a bank account, this is a lesson for you as to how banking works, right? So most banks, they will offer you very simply a checking account and a savings account. And so I'm going to teach you about setting up your eternal banking. And so a checking account is designed to be used frequently, to withdraw from, to deposit in, to withdraw from, to deposit in. We have one of those in the kingdom. It happens through prayer and through the word of God. Now, a lot of us, We say we follow Christ and we don't do either of those things because we don't understand the power of it because we don't know the available resources that we could be accessing. But prayer is an ATM of kingdom resources. When you need access to the resources that are available in the kingdom that are not available here, that happens through prayer. What we saw Jesus doing all throughout scripture, all through his life, every day, Jesus is praying. Jesus would withdraw and go pray. Jesus told the disciples, I've been praying for you. Did he, do we see Jesus doing any miracles on the disciples? No. Maybe you guys didn't read that. But <laughs> Jesus didn't do any miracles on the disciples. They just witnessed it, right? But what he did do was pray for them. And these were his apostles, the people who were about to start his church. And he's saying, I'm praying for you. Why? I'm accessing some things that you need that you don't know that you need that are available for you that you don't know are available for you. Because you're fighting a fight that you may not even realize you're fighting right now. And so I'm fighting it on behalf of you at the moment. But you're going to need to know the power of this. He said that Peter, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. Sifting wheat is throwing it up in the air and seeing the impurities come out of it, the stuff you don't need. Separating it. Jesus is saying Satan has been requesting to try your life and really see what's in there. So I've been praying for you. Accessing protection for you. Because this is a war. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Are you wrestling? You have victory available to you. You have strength available to you. Are you using it? Prayer is an ATM of kingdom resources like protection. So I'm not walking around scared. I'm not walking around in fear. Why? Because I'm a son of the king and a citizen of the kingdom that is already victorious, that has proven power over death, that has proven power over sin, that has proven power over sickness, that has proven power over all types of bondage, that I have access to when? Now. I have a checking account available for me that's full, that I can withdraw from. So when the enemy tries to rear his head, 
in my life. Oh, no. I got too much available. Healing is available. Freedom is available. But the word of God is the pin we need to access that ATM. Sometimes we don't see power in our prayers because we're praying just our ideas. The word of God is the power behind the prayers. The word of God is the pin you put in to access that thing. So notice, I didn't say, oh, healing is available to you. I didn't just say that. I said, Isaiah says, by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Oh, now I can believe it. Now I'll access that. Jesus, you said that faith can heal us. Jesus, you said that by your wounds, we are healed. You said where your spirit is, there is freedom. I'm declaring that right now and pulling that out of the eternal, bringing it into the temporal. That's when you can walk within authority, not scared of the devil. How? How is he going to scare you when he's been proven to be defeated? We have to access those things, though. Daily, one of the things that's been changing in my life is I've been just going to a new level spiritually in my own life because there's a hunger that's been provoked. So one of the things that I've been doing as God is revealing this stuff about his kingdom, and I'm seeing, God, we have access to this. This is what you're doing. And so I don't have to just keep getting beat up when the devil tries to come and attack. I don't have to, I don't have to submit to the same things that the enemy tries to throw at me. So I'm talking about these two things in particular a lot because it's what I'm seeing a lot. Sickness and bondage are what a lot of people are dealing with. And I just believe that God wants to set so many of us free if we will come before him with confidence and with faith and using the authority that he has given us. He said, I have given you authority to trample and tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That was a spiritual reference that you have authority to trample on the attacks of the enemy, but he will come and try to attack you. So what I've been doing is every morning I'm waking up and I've been going on a walk and praying, switched it up a little bit. It's revved me up in life, though. I'm starting to pray about things that I wasn't praying about before. I'm praying about my neighborhood. I never was praying about my neighborhood. I wasn't really thinking about my neighbors when I was in the crib. But I'm praying for them, praying about things that are coming to my mind about them. I don't know who's in these houses, but if nobody's praying for them, I'll be praying for them. Inviting God into these situations, saying, God, let your kingdom come in this place. Let your kingdom come in this neighborhood. Let your spirit sweep through here and take authority over this place. And we bind every attack of the enemy against this place, every attack of violence, every attack of abuse, every attack of sickness. We bind it in the name of Jesus because there is authority in the king's name. And so that's been changing a little bit in my life. 
And so I suggest that you guys could do that too. <laughs> and so the second, um, the second type of account that we have as we close is a savings account. Now, savings accounts operate a little bit differently. So at the end of Jesus explaining this parable, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The function of a savings account is to store up resources for the future. And so there are these two things that you can be investing in, pulling heaven into earth and investing your earthly life for heaven. So you can be accessing what's available to you in the here and now, and you can be storing up for yourself a whole different lifestyle in heaven because Jesus said it's available for us. How do we do that? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 44, he says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. There are eternal rewards available for us. And so the lifestyle that we can live when we step into the kingdom of God is one where we are pulling heaven into the now through our prayers and through the word. That's why you have to read the Bible. So many of us don't. And I know it can be boring sometimes, but when you step into reading with an expectation, what I've learned in my life is how I enter that moment determines a lot about what I get out of it. And so when I approach the Bible like I'm approaching God himself and expecting him to speak, he does. This is just my personal experience. There are many times where I'll be thinking about something, praying about something, go to the word, and I'll open right to it. And now a lot of people will tell you as you, get, as you go on your walk with God, he does those things less. In my experience, he operates based a lot of times on my expectations. And so when I'm asking him something, he'll tell me. Sometimes I have to dig it out, but he'll respond. He'll tell me. He'll speak to me. We have to approach him with an expectation. That is what's pleasing to him. He said without faith, it's impossible to please him. But with faith, he's pleased. He said about Abraham, he said, Abraham believed God and God credited to him as righteousness. Like it was that simple. Here's a righteous guy just because he believed what I said. He's in right standing with me, has my approval just for believing what I said. God responds to our belief in him. God responds to our expectation of him. So when you pray with an expectation that God himself will move in this place, God himself will move in this place. So Jesus says in Revelation 22, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. If we live our lives this way, with this expectation, not of doom arriving, but of the king arriving that we've been waiting on, that we've been serving, that we've been connecting with, that we've been hearing from. When we operate with that expectation, we know that we're operating in a way that is pleasing to him, 
And the fact that he's coming soon is good news to us. Because in comparison to his kingdom, we know this place is messed up. So we're not invested in this place more than just wanting this place to be invaded by the kingdom, wanting people to come to know the living God, the king of everything, who gave everything so that we could know him. Remember, this is a king who sits on the throne and also said, I'm standing at the door knocking, and if you'll invite me in, I'll come in and eat dinner with you. And so if you're in this place today and you haven't had this relationship, you haven't known Jesus, you haven't known about an eternal kingdom, or you've heard about it, but you didn't understand what was available to you. You didn't understand that there's a God in heaven who loves you, who wants you to have access to something that you've never had access to before. A God who wants to speak to you, a God who wants to move on your behalf, a God who wants to be more than just a moral compass for you. He wants to be a father. He wants to be a friend. He wants to be a provider. He wants to be a healer. He wants to be your victory. If you're saying, I want that in my life, I've seen that this road that I've been going down a lot of times doesn't lead where I think it does. If you're saying that today, if you're saying, I want Jesus to be king of my life, I wanna invite you to make that decision and to stand with that decision. Here's why. Jesus said, and we read it last week, if you will acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me in front of man, you can whisper it, but if you deny me in public, I will deny you in front of my Father. This is Jesus who came and was beaten bloody and crucified to pay for your sins who stepped out of heaven when things were good for him in his kingdom and came here because things were not good for us here and came here and paid the price so that we could have access to what he has for us and loves us. And all we have to do is say yes. I wanna invite you. If you're saying that's me, I wanna make that decision. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. And as I'm counting to three, I want everybody who does believe in Jesus, who has experienced the King, who has experienced eternal life, to cheer you on. And so on the count of three, you will be raising your hand if you're saying, I want to know Jesus and I want him to be King of my life. I want access to the kingdom. One, two, three. Raise it high, raise it high. Mm -hmm. We celebrate you. We're happy for you. We are happy for you. We are happy for you. Yes, yeah, stand with your decision. Stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. Don't be afraid. Stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. Be bold with your decision. Stand up to your feet. Entering the kingdom. Let's go. We celebrate you. The best decision you could have made in your entire life. I want everybody to stand up to your feet.
I hope you guys know how big of a deal this is. Maybe you started your relationship with Jesus a long time ago. But today is a big day for some people. I want to pray for you guys before we close out. You'll bow your heads. <sighs> Father, Lord, we thank you so much for being here with us. God, we thank you for revealing who you are. Lord, we thank you for opening our eyes, for opening our hearts, for opening our ears, for doing what only you can do. God, I pray for everyone here that they would be stirred to know you, that they would be stirred to live for you. Lord, that they would live according to your ways, according to your word. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Lord, I pray for you to stir a hunger in us, stir a thirsting in us for you and for your approval because you are good and you'll give it to us. You said that we will be filled when we hunger for you. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I pray for safety as we travel. Lord, I pray for us to connect as your people. Lord, that we would love each other as you've called us to love each other. Lord, and that we would seek you with all of our hearts and that we would find you. I thank you for the testimonies that are gonna come out of us learning this about you, God. I thank you for the, the, the words that we're gonna hear from you, God. I thank you for every person that you're gonna speak to, God. Every revelation you're gonna give, every bit of understanding you're gonna give as we pursue you, God. I thank you for the many lives that will be saved because of the many lives that have been saved tonight. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, we are here for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.